Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I thought I'd take you through a personal top 10 list. These are my top 10 attractions that are now extinct that used to exist at Epcot. And I'm only talking about Epcot in this episode. I'm not talking about the other parks. But I thought I'd take you through some of my favorite attractions that used to exist there that don't anymore. Some of them have been updated, some of them have been removed completely, but anyway, this is my list of things that are there. I will go ahead and I'll talk about it a little bit. I'll point you to the podcast, if I had one, that goes into some detail about the attraction, and then I'll uh, play a little bit of ride audio for you, maybe a couple of clips that remind you of what the attraction was all about. So without further ado, let's get started. Coming in at number 10 is the original Spaceship Earth with Walter Cronkite. I found this one to be really compelling. Now, maybe it was Walter Cronkite's gravitas. Maybe it was the fact that this was a new park and a new offering from Disney. Maybe it's the fact that it had something kind of special to it. There was a certain storyline they were telling you to build you up to it. I don't know what it is, but that was one of my favorites. That was my favorite version of Spaceship Earth. And I miss it. And it's kind of interesting when I go back and listen to the ride audio that I kind of go, oh, yeah, that was so cool. Now, the ride itself was kind of incomplete at that time. Uh, You know, in the early 1980s, they still hadn't really finished it exactly. So arguably, the additions that have come after with Jeremy Irons or Judi Dench are maybe a little better in some ways, but the Walter Cronkite version was always one of my favorites. You can hear the whole story about the uh, ride back on episode 86 of my podcast. Oh, yeah, and of course, the Walter Cronkite version was not the first version to appear at Spaceship Earth. There was another version that appeared when the park opened and lasted for about a year before they replaced it with Walter Cronkite's version. I almost forgot about that, but it's to me, it's funny because the Walter Cronkite version is the one I first remember hearing, though I had heard the other one when I went uh, at park opening. But it's funny how I just remembered it that way. I guess misremembered it that way. For eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe. And for a brief moment, we have been its passengers. Yet in that time, we've made tremendous progress in our ability to record and share knowledge. So let's journey back 40,000 years to the dawn of recorded history. We'll trace the path of communications from its earliest beginnings to the promise of the future. Coming in at number nine, the World Showcase Players, or the SAC Theater Company, doing productions at Epcot. Now, it's not really an attraction, I know that, but seeing the SAC Theater Company out there and doing these shows was really something special. There was a lot of fun that came with it, and you can hear all the details around the SAC Theater Company, how they got ingrained with the Walt Disney Company, what happened there back on episode 15. It was one of my early episodes. But it's kind of a fun story. 
And these World Showcase players were out there and they were having so much fun telling these stories, you know, world stories that were kind of quirky and fun. And the SAC Theater Company was really a good time. There was a lot of interesting characters associated with it. Uh, the people that were engaged were all kind of neat and had a lot of fun things to say. And um, they're still around today doing other things. And in fact, um, one of their leads, whose name escapes me, just dropped out of my head just now. Oh, I got it, I got it. C. McNair Wilson, that's him. Uh, was actually uh, hired by the Walt Disney Company because of his creative skill. So that's pretty cool. And you can hear all about that back on episode 15 and a little bit more about it. So I think I have uh, a couple of clips from the, uh, tr not the, from the show that I can play for you. Like I said, we're the World Showcase players. Now, as you can see, we don't have Italian accents. Well, we just travel around the World Showcase. We started in the UK. We're coming over here to do a show because it takes place in Italy. Now, today we are doing our favorite. It is Romeo and Juliet. Edna. Edna. Yes, it's Romeo and Edna. It's the cheap version. Juliet was Union and we couldn't get her. So today we are doing our very own and Edna, and it's absolutely silly. Now, we like you all to participate and have fun with us, so whenever we ask you all to do something as a group, you're going to do it, right? Yeah! Very good. So, are you ready to have some fun? <laughs> the town crier! <laughs> I can't believe he's such an idiot. Oh, I agree with you there. Most importantly, you would see the municipal mime. Hey! number eight, the Kitchen Cabaret. This was the one that had the whole world cooking. And I thought that was kind of a clever tagline, you know, the Epcot world. Uh, kind of funny. Anyway, uh, I really like this one. It talked about nutrition. It talked about other things that are there. Um, you know, the, all the things that you can think about in the food world. And they wrote songs and they had fun things. And it was actually really, really clever. And of course, Veggie Veggie Fruit Fruit is one of the most clever and creative songs I've ever heard. It rattles around in my head at times. When I'm just sitting at home, it's just like, oh, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit. 
just makes me laugh sometimes. And you can hear all about the Kitchen Cabaret in episode 62. By the way, Kitchen Cabaret still exists um, almost in its entirety behind one of the, uh, the uh, queues for uh, the uh, Soren attraction. Though, of course, the Kitchen Cabaret was updated to be Food Rocks, all the things that are there, all the trappings, all the signage, all that stuff is still there behind some uh, scrims and walls and things. So it's still kind of there, which is kind of cool. Veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie fruit, fruit, veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie fruit. I simply have to tell you that my friends who are singing are delectable. Meals are divine as long as you can dine with fruit and vegetables. They're good for you, everyone. They make your meals a lot like of fun. fun. Like a carnival. It's nice to be with fruit and vegetables. And now, ladies and gentlemen, those fresh, ripe performers, the colander, combo, and the fiesta fruit. There are no substitutes for we veggie fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie fruit, fruit. You see, a balanced meal always wins with our vitamins. A and C, 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 fruit, fruit, veggie, veggie, fruit, fruit, veggie, fruit, fruit. My friends are exciting, just like fireworks igniting there. Incredible! Sparks always fly each and every time you try fruit and vegetables. They're inviting and delighting anytime you're with them. It's a treat, like a carnival. It's nice to dine with fruits Coming in at number seven, Body Wars. This was an original Epcot attraction that was not there on opening day. It was over in the uh, Wonders of Life Pavilion, and they added it at some point uh, along the way when they opened the, uh, the, the uh, pavilion there. Now, Body Wars was an intriguing idea. What they did was they took the concept of the ride vehicle that they had uh, from uh, Star Tours and applied a different sort of philosophy to it, a different storyline. They kind of rethemed the whole idea where you're going on an adventure through inner space, essentially, where you're going into the human body. There was a, there was a movie that came out in the 1960s, I believe, uh, with Raquel Welch, and they shrunk a, a ship down to go inside a human body. And this sort of emulates that to a large degree. It's kind of a fun story, the way they told it. And the ride was pretty clever. You're going inside the, uh, inside the human body and going in the bloodstream. So kind of cool. Now, I have not done this one as a podcast yet, so I don't have anything for it uh, to, to point to for you. But I will do it in the future. Our instrument shows you down to half power. I know. We lost a fuel cell. Got to get out on the next beat. You're heading for the lungs, Captain. Air current's extremely hazardous. I have to chance it. I've got you in my sight, Doctor. Your fuel's running low. You're down to quarter power. Quick! Into the ship! I'm in! Control, I've got Dr. Lair. Braddock, you've used too much power. You can't beam out. We need an energy boost. The brain. It works on electrical impulse. How do we get there? Through that capillary. 
Your power is down to 2%. If you can get power, I can beat you out of there. Neuron better fire. Come on, hit the shield. Hit the shield. You have power. We did it! We're beaming you out. Incredible! Do you realize what we just did? I'll tell you what you did. You broke every regulation in the book. Control, we were the first to go through the heart, lungs, and brain. You also managed to pull off the most spectacular mission this place has ever seen. Congratulations. Thank you, Control. Uh, folks, you can unlatch your safety belt by pushing the button on your left. Please exit the ship to your right. Don't forget your personal belongings. Oh, and welcome home. Coming in at number six is El Rio del Tiempo. This is kind of a fun look at Mexican history in a way. Uh, kind of a subtle look, a little bit um, abstract, if you will, where they kind of talked about the early days of Mexican history with the uh, Mayans and so forth, uh, doing some dancing and some, some traditional things. They came to the current day, and then they had a celebration. So it was kind of fun the way they put it together. Um, it really didn't capture Mexico to a large degree, but it did make a little little fun when you were thinking about Mexico. So kind of a fun ride. And the, the song was always cute, and I enjoyed that, so there was something to be said for it. Uh, but I miss it. I do like the Grand Fiesta Tour with Donald and Friends, but it's just not the same thing. It's not the same. The, the original was so much better. You can hear about El Rio del Tiempo on episode 233 of my podcast. I talk about it in great detail when I'm talking about Mexico. Coming in at number five, the Universe of Energy, the original version before Ellen took over. This was really a kind of a fun ride. This was one that I really liked because they talked about something scientific. They had some scientific principles they brought to you. They talked about the nature of the world. They talked about energy. They talked about things that are so uh, deep that the edutainment aspect was geared more toward education and less toward entertainment. Though the ride vehicles themselves were really, really cool. They used a linear induction motor, which means that they were being charged from the ground whenever they'd park. And that was something that was so far ahead of its time for 1982. To be out there and be that cool was pretty amazing. So it's one of those things that's it's worth looking back at. I think the, you know, the song was kind of cheesy, but the attraction was really, really clever. And of course, the dinosaur section at the beginning was nothing short of spectacular. That was really cool. Of course, now it's going to be opened as Guardians of the Galaxy, but at the time, it was really something amazing. You can hear all about the Universe of Energy on Podcast 311. Yeah.
Number four, the world of motion. This was a fun, whimsical look at the world of motion and how we get around from place to place. The dioramas they built, the story they told, sort of the, the way we evolved as people in our transportation methods, the way they told the story was so good. There are so many Disney Imagineers involved and you can hear their whole story and uh, how they all became involved. And it's really, really cool. And you can see their thought process in it. You can kind of get the feel for them. If you really look back at the ride attract the attraction itself and watch the ride video, you can really see how they all had an influence in it. Each of them had some piece to it that kind of had something and you can kind of see it through. Now you can hear more about that in episode 177 of my podcast. Coming in at number three, Journey into Imagination, the original version that existed when the park opened. Now, I never did a podcast about this. I'm going to have to rectify that at some point here and do a podcast about it. But this was kind of a fun one that brought brought to life Figment and the Dreamfinder and told you the story of what it was like in your imagination, what your imagination is all about, and really kind of told a sweeping story. It was really good. It was a little long, but it was really, really good and very memorable. I really love this attraction. Um, That's why it's coming in at number three. It was one of my favorites in the way that they set it up. Oh, hello there. So glad you could come along. I am the Dream Finder. (laughs) Musical notes. What delightful melodies those will make. I love these flights of fancy. Searching the universe for sounds, colors, ideas, anything that sparks the imagination. A sunbeam. That's a good one. Everything I collect can inspire amazing and marvelous new ideas. And you never know what kind of figment you may come up with. Here's my favorite. Two tiny wings, eyes big and yellow, horns of a steer, but a lovable fellow. From head to tail, he's royal purple pigment, and there, voila! You've got a figment, a figment of imagination. <laughs> Dreamfinder, I'm just right. Uh, 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 not quite. Huh? I'll throw in a dash of childish delight. <laughs> Look, Figment, some new friends have joined us. Can they imagine too? Of course! Imagination is something that belongs to all of us. You mean everyone can think up new things. (laughs) That's right, Figment. And every sparkling idea can lead to even more. Oh, boy! Imagination! 
imagination, imagination. A dream can be a dream come true with just that spark in me and you. Coming at number two, the Maelstrom. Now this may surprise some people. The Maelstrom was sort of a throwaway to a point, but it told a story. It told the story of Norway, and it told the story of how Norway came to be Norway. It talked about the Vikings, it talked about their current events, talked about the things that, are, that you think about in the folklore. It was really pretty fun. Now, of course, it's Anna and Elsa's uh, Frozen Ever After attraction today, but back in the day, it was really something neat and very powerful in a way because it told you a story, but it was sort of the folkloric story. And it was really pretty cool. Now you can hear more about the Maelstrom and what it was all about back in episode 283 of my podcast if you want to hear more about the details of it. You are not the first to pass this thing here. Nor shall you be the last. Those who seek the spirit of Norway face peril and adventure. Beauty and charm. We have always lived with the sea, so look first to the spirit of the seafarer. And then finally, coming in at number one, this would be my favorite all-time attraction of any park, anywhere, and that's Horizons. And the part of the reason that I started this podcast was I wanted to talk about Horizons. And I did a four-part series about Horizons specifically in episodes three, four, five, and six, where I talked about it, got uh, Hoot Gibson to come on and talk about his experiences with it. Uh, he was someone who had lovingly sort of documented the whole attraction just before it closed. And I talk about the attraction itself. It's, it has this deep meaning to it about the world of tomorrow. It kind of takes the carousel of progress and moves to a new, new place, right? It kind of generationally takes it forward. It was such a great show, such a great ride. They did so many amazing things on the ride. It's really too bad it's gone. That's one of those things where you kind of go, I'm sad, because that one really spoke to me. And it's unfortunate they couldn't find a sponsor to keep it going, and they've replaced it with Mission Space since, because Mission Space is not something I can ride. I can't do thrill rides. So that's lost on me because, hey, the story they were telling 
was more compelling to me than going on a thrill ride. And since I can't do a thrill ride anyway, it's kind of like, wow, I'd really miss it. And uh, there's not much that I can say about this more than, uh, you know, if we can dream it, we can do it, because that's where that tagline comes from. It comes from this particular attraction. So that's, uh, that's something that I really miss. So I, I highly recommend you go back and listen to my podcast, 3, 4, 5, and 6, where I tell the whole story of what Horizons was and what it meant. Inspiration is at the heart <laughs> of all creation, right at the start of everything that's new. One little spark lights up for you. Now for my one little spark segment today, I wanted to talk for a moment about the Olympics, which are drawing to a close this week. And specifically, I wanted to talk about Simone Biles and uh, what happened with her and uh, the fact that she left the, the, uh, the stage and decided not to compete in most of the events. And there are a lot of people who have a lot of strong opinions about this. And whether they're right, wrong, or indifferent, you know, people have opinions. And I think the broader problem is people have opinions without really understanding all of the details that go behind it. So the details are, are kind of complicated, and there's actually two parts to this I wanted to talk about. And the first was the Olympic gymnastics and the way that was handled and the way things happened there. Um, in about 2015 or so, uh, there was a uh, federal case against the uh, Olympic gymnastics that basically went after a number of people that were involved, from the doctor to some trainers to some other people who were basically serial pedophiles and who had abused children. And there was at least one person who was convicted of crimes, the doctor. And um, it's, it's really sad when you think about it, how just how pervasive that was and how many things went on there. Now, Simone Biles joined the program around the time that all this was coming out. And she was one of the people who helped bring attention to the cause at some point. You know, here she is, she's, she's a great gymnast. She's a really tremendous athlete. According to some reports, one of the reasons she wanted to go to the Olympics was to continue to bring attention to this cause. She was still good enough to compete, no question, but one of the reasons that she kept competing was because she wanted to continue to bring attention to it. She didn't want it to continue to go away because part one of the story is that the entire investigation itself was also corrupt. It was an FBI agent who reportedly was bottom drawing, they call it, some of the uh, investigation. And the reason he was doing that, he was taking the reports and he was putting them in the bottom drawer so they weren't being actively investigated. And the reason had to do with money and power. Apparently, he was being influenced and money was exchanging hands so that he would, you know, kind of slow the investigation a little bit. Some of the people that uh, would have, should have been implicated and perhaps jailed or tried at least weren't for various reasons. Um, there was some evidence of lying before Congress. There were some other things that happened that were, you know, not so good. And so the whole thing is more complicated than you ever know. So Simone Biles going out there on the stage and saying, hey, I want to continue to bring attention to this was powerful. And she thought it was important. But the second part of it is 
the, the issue of mental health. So she goes out on the stage and she realizes that the weight of the moment, she was there representing all these girls that came before her and she wanted to make sure she brought attention to it. The weight of all of that, coupled with the pressure of the Olympics, coupled with this moment where she realizes this is where it all came from, was too much for her and she had to withdraw. Now, a lot of people have very strong opinions, as I said. Some of them, really not very nuanced opinions. Why would she go to the Olympics and not compete? Why not give the spot to someone else? Because they're only thinking about the small picture, right? How do I get a gold medal? How do we win? It's not about that. This is about mental health. She went there specifically to call attention to the fact that there was something going on behind the scenes and she wanted to continue to make sure that we noticed. There's a lot more happening there. So the mental health part of it can't be overlooked. And there's this thing in all of our society where we don't really consider mental health as something that's important. And here's a situation where this young lady, she went out on the stage and she realized that she was a very competent athlete. As I said, maybe one of the greatest American athletes we've ever known and very talented. And yet she's doing something that's extremely dangerous on the surface. If you make a mistake, you could get badly injured. No question. And she's doing that. And the mental part of it is really hard. You know, there's mental aspects that go along with this too. And you hear some of these girls talk after the fact and you realize that it's way deeper than you ever know. Then you look around the landscape of other sports and other things and you realize there's a lot more mental health issues going on. When you, I don't wanna to go too far down a path, but when you think about like some NFL players and the dementia they get from continually butting heads, there's a lot to be said for that. We need to take it more seriously. And as a society, we need to look at mental health on a broader scale. You know, there's a lot of people with a lot of mental health issues out there and we don't really acknowledge them. We just kind of move on. Hey, you know, go see a psychologist. Okay, and that's the end of that. And we don't hear much about it. And so that's something I just wanted to call attention to. And that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View Podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 